0: Head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidnall founder of leading Australian podcast agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. What did you witness growing up, peers? There have been studies conducted which show that the emotional support a child receives during the first three and a half years of life, has an effect on their education, social life, and romantic relationships, even 20 or 30 years later. While today's guest felt emotionally supported by her single mother and grandparents, things weren't always easy growing up in a low socioeconomic home. It was through seeing the stigma of mental health in her own family and in her work down the line that led Dr. Catherine Grill to co-found Neoth a platform that provides personalised mental health support to teens. In today's episode, we sit down with Catherine, who shares how she discovered the right path for her, the misconceptions of being a solo entrepreneur, and why the value of education was never lost on her. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, please do take a screenshot of this episode right now. Post it to your Instagram story and tag us at the Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us in our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Catherine. welcome to the peers to peers podcast we're so excited to have you on the show today
1: thank you so much for having me
0: of course so you and i recently connected and when i looked into you and all of the incredible work you're doing in health tech i knew i had to have you come on the show so i really appreciate you taking the time
1: yeah no problem so excited to be here
0: awesome Look, before we get into it, I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and yeah, just a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. My name is uh, Dr. Catherine Grill. People know me now as the CEO and co-founder of a company called Nia's based in the San Francisco Bay Area of California. But what people don't always know about me is that I actually grew up in New York, I grew up in a town called Maypack. It's about an hour north of Manhattan. Our claim to fame, if you've heard of it before and you're not sure why you've heard of it, we're mentioned on the show You, which is on Netflix. So that's where people have typically heard of our town. But it's like a traditional, you know, New York town. Growing up, my mom, she was a young mom. She actually worked as a maid. She was an entrepreneur herself. So when she got out, she was pregnant. She started her own cleaning services company, which I think was so cool. She was only 19 years old and knew she had to make ends meet. And she, yeah, really was a hard worker and was something that, was instilled, I think, in me and that I carry with me on a day-by-day basis. And she also really found education to be important. And she used to bring my sister and I to the library like almost every day. We had required reading time that we had to do all the time. She just showed me, you know, how important it was to be able to educate yourself and use that to get a better life. So, yeah, ultimately, you know, because of that, I was able to get scholarships. I went to school. I ended up studying therapy and then became a neuroscientist and worked clinically. For a while with patients and worked in clinical research, but really I think a lot of kind of what I do today is based on my mom and that upbringing.
0: Oh my goodness, I absolutely love that you just shared that with us, Catherine. I I think it's so so interesting and it's so funny because I was literally just about to ask you, you know, where did you grow up and kind of what did your parents do? And I think it's incredible that your mother was just a boss and so ambitious and knew she had to just go out there and make it happen because obviously she was very young and had you and your sister. I guess growing up then for you, what were some of those challenges? You know, what was it like growing up kind of single parent in the town that you mentioned? What were some of those challenges growing up and did you ever feel like you were missing out or you weren't going to be good enough or whatnot?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. You don't really notice a lot of things when you're younger. And then when you get older, you have the chance to reflect on them. Growing up, I did have another parent who was around and in my life at times and who isn't anymore. But I was very fortunate besides my mom to have my grandparents. So my grandfather was FDNY. I retired by the time I was born. So I think we were really lucky because we had that additional support from them. So while times were tough, it's like we always had a roof overhead. We always had food on the table. And I owe a lot of that to my grandparents who also helped sponsor some of my education as well. I don't remember being really young and feeling like things were different. Probably when I started to know that things were a little bit different was when I was five, six years old. And sometimes I would want, this is going to sound so silly, but like when you're a child, like you want certain things. I always wanted like Barbie Jeep. Remember, I don't know if you had that, but remember, this like actual cars that you could get in and drive and certain things that were like, we can't have that. We don't have money for that. So there were certain things like that, that I started to notice as I got older and it was definitely more noticeable. When I went to high school, my sister and I were super fortunate where we had good grades and we got scholarship to go to a boarding school in New England. I think it's kind of big in the U.S. Sometimes you have these opportunities to go there. You actually live on campus and there are usually folks there who are Pretty wealthy, I would say, some of the wealthier folks in the country. So that's when I really started to notice some differences between my upbringing and other folks and their upbringing and learned kind of the, I guess, ways to position yourself. Things like networking, other things that folks with more maybe support or different family backgrounds use to get ahead. So I learned kind of the value of that and learned how to use that in my life. But always try to keep in the back of my mind, my roots, especially when we think about the kids that we work with, in neo mental health support, a lot of them do come from more of this kind of low income background, like how I grew up and don't have the supports that other folks have. So really important to think about that as you're building up programs for them.
0: I love that. And I love this idea that your mom instilled in you around education and the value of that. I think... You know, sometimes, and perhaps and it absolutely is a privilege, but, you know, we can feel a bit like, you know, a peers out there listening might be studying right now and go, oh, I can't believe I've still got a couple more years left in my college days or whatever it is. And oh, do I really have to go out there and do this? But it is just such a privilege. And I love that your mum instilled that in you. I guess growing up high school and then post high school, and you've gone all the way through. And as you mentioned- you're Dr. Catherine, which is so cool. Where do you think this idea of perhaps just always remembering the value of education or just cherishing it perhaps more than others? How do you think this played out for you, especially as you kept going up the ranks and kind of kept studying and kept studying? You know, was there ever a point where you just thought, oh my goodness, I'm just so much study, you know, or was that just not the case?
1: Yes and no. When you grow up in a certain way, I think you feel really motivated to go to school and to have a better life for yourself because it's really, really stressful to be in school, but it's super stressful to feel like you don't have money to afford food or to afford rent. And that's just, you know, goes back to meeting those basic needs. So for me, yeah, school is really hard. I usually had two or three jobs, you know, in addition to school, I did things like washing dishes and, you know, all sorts of non-glamorous jobs compared to what I had now. But for me, it just showed me a Value of hard work. And I think that people who do those jobs are so great because they're like literally putting food on the table for their families. I think that it always just kind of was helpful to have that in the back of my mind because it was a motivator for me. Like, yeah, this is hard, but I want to keep going because I know when I get to the end road, which as you said, was getting a doctorate degree, it's going to open a lot of doors. It's going to open a lot of opportunities for me. Ultimately, that's led me somewhere I never thought would happen, which would be uh, the CEO of a tech company, which is really cool.
0: It's so cool. It's so interesting. You know, for our peers out there listening who feel like they're at perhaps that crossroads, you know, they've been studying for a while now, or maybe they've just been in a job for a while now and they really just feel like there's more out there for them. Maybe how you felt once you graduated and went and started your business. What advice would you give to us about navigating through those times of confusion and just feeling lost, even if we have been so diligent with our studies or with our work for an extended period of time?
1: Well, I think the big secret is that we all feel lost. I can say even from getting back, this has been conference season. A lot of conferences, meeting with a lot of other, you know, founders and CEOs and people who on paper look like their lives are awesome. We all have times where we're like, can't do it anymore. I have no idea what I'm doing. So it doesn't matter if you're in school or your first job or your CEO, like we all have those moments. I would say exploring, listening to your gut. There is something to be said for kind of pushing through those hard times. But if it's something that's going on and like nagging you and nagging you for a while and it's getting to the point where it's interfering with your just ability to be happy and ability to get up in the morning, I mean, that's really an indicator that something needs to change. For me, one of the best things I did when I was in school was really explore different career paths. I actually started out in Manhattan. I lived in New York City. I was thinking about going to FIT, which is the fashion school there. Didn't end up going, but I worked in fashion for a bit and that was the best way to learn that, oh, this isn't for me. Then I ended up studying painting. I actually do have a degree in studio art, but I also realized quickly, hey, you know, this isn't for me either. I ended up then using that to kind of be a launching pad to get into art therapy, which is what my bachelor's degree is in. And really using kind of the healing power of creative arts, but combining that with psychology. And then, like, it was kind of a step-by-step process that ultimately led me to going into health research and now to building and running health companies. So I think that that's the best thing that any young person can do is just kind of follow your heart and try different things, whether it's through internships, school classes, hobbies, and just find a way to bring that passion into your career. And it's never too late to make changes to whether you're 18 years old, 30 years old, or 50 years old, you can always start something new.
0: It can be so scary though, Catherine. Oh my goodness, like trying new things, constantly changing. I think there's almost, there used to be at least a bit of that stigma around like, oh, well, if you don't stay in a job or in a course for X, Y, Z years, then like, you know, that's not going to be seen well on your CV and whatnot. I mean, what would you say to that? It can just be so tough to actually go out there, try all the things that we can ultimately figure out what we want to do.
1: Yeah, I hope I'm allowed to say this, but I would kind of (laughs) say screw CVs. Like, don't worry about it so much. I feel like, oh, God, there was so much stress for me. I'm like, don't even worry about it because the truth is nobody gets hired from their resume. We all get hired from who we know in our network anyway. And at the end of the day, this is the hard thing. It's a lesson. It takes time. But it doesn't matter what other people think about you because you have to live with yourself. You have to get up every morning and look at yourself in the mirror. And you have to be happy. Like if you're getting up every day and you're in a job that you hate, you're miserable. And I've been there. So it's just important to not worry about it and to try to follow your heart. I know that there's a lot of privilege in that. And you also need to think about kind of financially, like, okay, I can't just leave this job. But maybe you can be working in a job that's not your favorite and also start to build up a side hustle or hobby that you really love that eventually becomes your job which is actually what i did with Neo. so you have to follow your heart and it is scary and it never happens overnight trust me this is a years-long process but just one step at a time and you'll get there
0: one step at a time when was the time for you were you as you mentioned, you just felt like, oh my goodness, I'm not on the right path. I just don't really know what I'm doing. Why am I here? Was that ever the case for you? And I guess, how did you navigate through that time?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, So many times. One of the maybe more recent times, which is related to what I'm doing now is when I moved out to California, which is where I am now. I had a really wild year in that I was finishing up my doctoral degree, going through like the whole dissertation madness, which some of you might understand out there. I got engaged and married all in the same year, graduated and then quit my job and then moved out to California with my husband all in the span of like a couple months. So it was so many life changes. And I was like, did I make a huge mistake? I had a great job at a hospital and I quit and I had no job and I just moved out here. And I thought maybe, you know, well, I'm a doctor, it might be easy to get hired. No, that was not the case because I didn't have a network. Nobody knew me and nobody wanted to hire a young kid right out of school. So it was really hard for me. And I went around to a bunch of like mental health tech companies, like, you know, you should hire scientists. Back five years ago, a lot of companies didn't have doctors and scientists on their teams and nobody wanted to do it. And I ended up going back into teaching because I was a professor on the East Coast and was able to get a job as a professor here on the West Coast. So just felt like, well, you know, this wasn't what I thought would happen in my life, but got to get a job, right? Got to pay bills. So yeah, it felt like for a while, like this maybe was a big mistake. I thought I'd come out here and get into tech and I am not able to do that. But what I just did was I kept at it. Like I said, you know, you have your job, you're paying the bills, you do your side hustle. I was probably two, three nights a week in San Francisco. So I'm like 20 miles outside of the city so I can just take a train in there. Did a whole bunch of networking, build up my network, and then ultimately grew the confidence to say, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to found my own company because so many people were doing that at the time. And gosh, I have a doctorate. I have the expertise. I can do this. And then, you know, here we are, what are we, four years later, still going at it.
0: Ah, oh, I love that story. I want to talk a bit about feeling like you're at your low point, especially even when we start our businesses. I think there's such a misconception around this idea that it's so sexy and, oh, I'm a founder and whatever. But it's really tough in those early days, especially as a solo kind of entrepreneur How did you navigate through those very early days of building the earth and with your job still, you know, what did your schedule look like? How did you navigate through that time? Yeah,
1: it's... I mean, first off, I still had the other job. So it felt like I could kind of hold on mentally to another part of me. And I was like, I'm still a professor and this is what I do. And I'm an academic. So I didn't probably start calling myself a founder until maybe two years into the company. I was just like, this is my side project. This is something I'm working on. That gave me a little bit of mental stability to kind of ease into it. Maybe you do it that way. Maybe you don't I think it's up to the person. But for me, that was helpful. So I still spent a lot of time with my regular job working at the university. I was teaching neuroscience and psychology classes and then just kind of worked on you know as is and I think in the early days a lot of times you aren't working 40 hours a week because you're not really sure what you're doing and you're like trying to build up a network and trying to do things so just kind of here and there as you have time but it gradually changed over time until about two years in in 2020 When the pandemic happened is when I left my university job and I said, you know, I'm going to go in this full time. And what was really helpful for me is I joined mentorship programs, specific programs. They're called like incubator and accelerator programs for startups, where you get to go in with a cohort of other people, founders, just like you, and you get mentorship as you're working on building up your business. So that really helped me kind of transition into full time and have a peer cohort of other people who
0: were going through the same stuff. How important is that community? when you're building something and how can we cultivate that for ourselves if we're not part of those kind of groups?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think community is always important for mental health so much so that we actually have a section on the knee of that that's called community because we're not alone. Human beings like to be together and have that connection. It was... Interesting, building up a startup company during COVID when we were all so isolated and those communities became even more important. And, you know, that just shows you the power of technology and doing things virtually. But peer stories, hearing from other people, which I imagine is what this podcast is all about. It's also what we have on NEO, it's like on our app. We have a lot of young people who share their mental health stories to break down stigma. It's what it was like in my accelerator programs, talking to other founders about what they were going through. That's so important because you really get the truth behind, I guess, the social media or the glamour, or what it looks like online. You get the truth and the vulnerability. And that's when I think we really see that we're not alone and other people are going through some of the same stuff.
0: What happens when we feel like we are just all alone, but we are surrounded by a community. I mean, I've had this recently in my life where I've just kind of moved states here in Oz. I'm now in Sydney and I'm surrounded by a whole bunch of amazing people, other entrepreneurs. I live by the beach. It's stunning. But there are some times where I just feel like I'm surrounded by all these people but yet through this entrepreneurial journey I still feel alone. Like I still feel like I'm going through some of these hurdles even though I've been at this for 5 years alone and I just feel like I've got my people but I'm still feeling this sense of almost like loneliness on this journey and it's so scary for our peers out there listening who maybe experiencing something similar or it doesn't even have to be in your business, but especially for us entrepreneurs out there, what advice would you give to us about feeling okay with that feeling of aloneness or just being by ourselves?
1: Especially with social media, I think there's so much stuff that we put out there that it looks like oh, there's all this glamour and everything is going on. And I tell the young people we work with, especially what you see online, what you see on LinkedIn, even the stuff you're coming from me, like that's company marketing and that's promotional stuff, and that's not the day to day. It is so okay to have ups and to have downs. And as an entrepreneur, you're probably going to have a lot of downs. Even throughout my day, I feel like my day is like up down, up down, it's like a roller coaster all packed into 24 hours. So you just have to have grace with yourself. And this is where self-compassion really comes into play, which is just a practice of being kind to yourself. We have a lot of these practices on the NeoFap, but it's fostering this same sort of loving kindness that you would give to a partner, parent, a best friend with yourself. And just having that grace that I'm a person, I make mistakes, it's totally okay it's okay to feel crappy today. It's okay to feel lonely today. Sometimes I just like lay on my bed and like throw all my limbs out. And I'm like, ah, I give up today. I'm taking the day off. Like, that happens and just go with it. And then the important thing is that you let yourself have that time. And then the next day you get up and you keep going and you push through it because you'll have those times of loneliness. But then you'll also have those times of huge inspiration or connection and community with other folks.
0: So, so true. I want to talk a little bit about Neoth. We've mentioned it a little bit throughout this conversation, but I want to understand a little bit about where your desire to start this particular tech business came from and what's kind of been your experience getting it off the ground over the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, well, where my desire to start the company came from was probably a real passion and interest in mental health that started at a young age. So as we talked about, I come from a more low-income upbringing and for I think financial reasons and also cultural reasons there was a lot of stigma at the time around you know accessing mental health care and really saw what it was like for certain family members who had serious mental illness and weren't able to access care how devastating that could be for the person and for the family as a whole so I became interested in this as a young age I went to school originally for art as we know but then very quickly got into art therapy and then started to kind of go down the path of becoming a therapist and working with patients in psychiatric care and Became frustrated with that (laughs) not too long after I got into it, because even though I loved working with patients, there are a lot of, in the U.S., restrictions on who can access care based on insurance and finances, and that didn't feel fair to me at all. So I ended up going back to school and ultimately got the doctorate in neuroscience, because with that type of degree, you can create new health programs that are more innovative, more equitable, and I wanted to learn how to do that. And then as much as I love that, you know, we would build a great program, it would be working well, and you do it with like 500 or a 1000 people, and then you would move on to the next research study. And for me, I really wanted to get to that impact at scale and society level change. And I felt like technology was the vehicle to do that. So I moved out as you know, to the Bay Area a couple years ago after I graduated and just kind of shifted from research into health tech world. But every kind of opportunity I had, whether it was my personal experiences growing up to working in patient care, to working in research, I kind of leveraged all of those to help me found the company and help me to continue to run the company. I wouldn't trade them for the world. I think all of them were a really important part of my learning experience and have gotten me to where I am today.
0: Oh my goodness. I'm absolutely loving this conversation, Catherine. We could talk for days, but I am mindful of your time. And so I've got a couple of final questions for you. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date?
1: Failure is always so tough because I work with kids and they are so scared of failing. And I'm like, what does that even mean? You know, what does that even mean to you? And they're like, I have to do it this way because this is what people told me to do and I think channeling is really just learning one thing that's been really tough for us at the company has been learning this is how other people have done things before in tech but that's not how we're going to do things so again it's being told this narrative here's how you need to do this and for us I think in tech companies it's often you're really told to grow as fast as possible move fast and break things right that's what they always say And if anyone out there is listening and following the news, you'll see that a lot of mental health companies are in hot water right now because they've been moving so quickly that they're really engaging in some unethical behavior and harming patients, right? So for us, at first, I think we spent a lot of time kind of working on sales and commercialization as typical companies do and hiring all the I'm going to put in quotes, right folks that investors would say, this is like a typical tech person and salesperson and what you need. And we kind of learned the hard way after a couple of years and spending money on this that it wasn't the right path for us, but we learned from it. And that was the most important thing and have since been able to go and hire, you know, teachers and clinicians and other folks to our sales team who don't look like traditional sales folks, but gosh, are they great to have on our team? So it just goes back to it's not doing what other people have done and what you're supposed to do, but you need to find your own path. And that's probably also part of my biggest win. You know, Growing up in the 90s, I guess you could say women, even today, aren't always in business and aren't always encouraged to go into business. And not even knowing it, growing up, there were a lot of limitations that society put on me because of my gender of what I could and couldn't do. And that might even be the reason why it took me two years to even call myself the founder of a company and just kind of do it on the side and jump in because I just was unsure of myself. And could I really do this? I had never once thought of businesses for anyone other than businessmen. And that's just part of my personal journey. But yeah, I mean, here we are a couple of years later and I'm fully in it and really proud of myself for being able to have the confidence to kind of overcome some of those gender barriers and hopefully, you know. On other young women and girls out there that they can do it too if they want to.
0: Absolutely. Amazing. Oh, Catherine, look, over the last four-plus years since you started your company, you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received so much recognition for your work already, and most recently you were featured on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? Probably
1: the biggest one is to know who to listen to. And it's the hardest because everybody wants to give you advice, including me. And it might resonate with you. And that advice might just be like, hey, that doesn't work at all for my situation. So this goes back to what we were just talking about. There's always this what we should do because other people have done this. You need to do what's right for you. And that might be doing what other people have told you to do. And that might be finding your own path. So really knowing who to listen to and following your gut is so important mentally preparing yourself somebody posted something i think on linkedin the other day which was like a funny little picture about the job experience and it was basically this big mountain it was like all the ups and downs as to getting you know to the next phase in your career and that's so true like every day we're talking about there are these ups and there are these downs and sometimes you feel really really lonely so just mentally preparing yourself for that it's not about all this kind of glamour and what you see online there are tough spots but If you prepare yourself, you can get through it if it's what you want to do. And if at some point you don't want to do it anymore, that's okay. So having that grace and that compassion that we talked about, I would say is a third thing. Celebrate the wins when you have them because they don't come too much. But, you know, at some point if it feels like, hey, it's too much or I really need a break, having that grace and that compassion for yourself is just key.
0: So well said. Catherine, before I ask you the final question, I'm just going to take a moment to acknowledge you. For the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us and particularly us, ambitious, young females and women, that if we have that vision, that goal and that dream, we actually can go out there and make it a reality. And it's not strange to be female entrepreneurs. It's totally fine. It's totally doable. And for that, we really appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about?
1: Oh, gosh, so much, so much from somebody who has had lots of different types of jobs, some that I've liked and some that I haven't liked and a lot that have just been to pay the bills. I know how hard it can be to wake up every day and just feel like you're surviving, whether that's emotionally or financially. And to be able to get to a place where you are financially in a good space and you're able to work on something that you love, that's everything, right? That gets you out of bed in the morning. So to be able to pursue your passion, which, again, might start as a side hustle because, you know, you have to pay the bills and that's cool, it's going to mean everything. I think it makes all the difference. And you can bring this energy and this authenticity and this passion to work with you every day that really starts to not only inspire yourself but inspire other people, and that's when we can make – think real world change and impact in society on a large level.
0: Oh, I love it. Catherine, oh my goodness, we've had an absolute blast. Thank you so much. Where can we learn more about you and Neoth?
1: Yeah, if you want to learn more about me, LinkedIn's probably the best place to follow me because I don't really use personal social media, but I have LinkedIn. So Catherine with a K, grill, G-R-I-L-L. You'll be able to find me. And Neil, we are across all social media channels, N-E-O-L-T-H, and I have a website, neolth.com And we also have a free version of our app on the App Store for anybody who's working on their mental health, especially folks 30 and younger. Our app is really geared towards that age group.
0: Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. It's been so, so awesome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepearsproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepearsproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.